My name is Kenny Cannon, running for Smithtown School Board in May of 2022, and welcome to the One Vote Away podcast, where we talk about issues in the Smithtown School District and how I am going to fix them. If you're a parent or community member that wants to share your thoughts, shoot us an email at kennycannonsmithtown at gmail.com, and I'll be glad to have you on the show to talk about whatever is on your mind. You can find out more about me at kennycannonsmithtown.com or on Instagram at instagram.com slash kennycannonsmithtown or on Facebook at facebook.com slash kennycannonsmithtown. I really hope to gain your support. Now let's get right to it. All right, so let's talk first about the mandates then. Let's just see where you stand on that, the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates and stuff. It doesn't really, I don't really care about like your personal opinion on you getting a vaccine or you wearing a mask or whatever. Mainly about what you feel about your students and other teachers being forced to do it. Um, my thoughts on the mandates and, and well, for the students, first of all, um, I think that honestly should be a personal choice for the family. Um, everybody's in a different situation. Everybody has different beliefs um, because the vaccine itself, I feel like we don't know enough about it yet for the kids. They're so young and we don't know how it would impact them in the future. So I think for the kids, it should be a personal choice by the family. Um, I also think for teachers, and adults, it, it should just be a personal choice at this point. Um, it's not, you know, many teachers were forced to get it or they would lose their job. Many teachers that I know right now have to go for a test every week to be able to go to work because they chose not to get it. And I know of teachers that um, got fired because they didn't get it. So I overall, I think it really should be a personal choice. Yeah, I know a couple of teachers too that do the, do the test. Yeah. One of the one of the ones on uh, my daughter's softball team. Her one the team mm-hmm. mom is a teacher, and she does a test every Thursday, I think, or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, I I mean I I agree with that completely. I think that we just don't know enough about. I also I'm a little bit more of an extremist, quote unquote, on this. I think that it just doesn't work, and I'm a results mm-hmm. guy. So like, if you get a vaccine, it should stop the thing from like polio. I mean, we don't have we don't I don't go into Walmart right. and saying you have a polio vaccine or I'm not coming in. That doesn't happen because the polio vaccine actually mm-hmm. works. Uh, this one obviously doesn't. So, you know, until we get something that actually gets the result, I think we should pump the brakes on it and wait. Um, all right. So mm. next, I just want to ask you more. I, that's an easy thing. I think the curriculum is really what I want to focus most of our conversation on because you are an expert on that. You're obviously you're a teacher, okay. so you've been there for a while. Um, how mm-hmm. long have you been teaching for? Uh, 17 years. It's a long time. Okay. So yeah. curriculum, when it comes to specifically critical race theory, how does that impact your environment as a teacher and what you do as a teacher mm-hmm. um right now uh, where where i am teaching we are not it um we're not focusing on critical race theory we really haven't had any training on critical race theory as of yet um so it's not having an impact on me as a teacher at all um yeah that's it we're teaching um a regular curriculum it doesn't have anything to do with critical race theory however I will say that we just found out that we're doing the same curriculum next year, but it's been modified Mm -hmm. and they haven't used the, the CRT, you know, acronym yet, but I can see based on how the curriculum has changed that it's going toward that. Right. I think, I think that's the main thing, right? People will say, oh, well, CRT is not taught in schools. Well, the, the Harvard law school class CRT is not taught in schools, but we are teaching kids all over the place oppressor and oppressed and, and victim yes. and victor and things like that. And that's all part of that, right? So yep. 
Yeah. Even stuff like that, if it's not specifically a CRT class, which is not being taught anywhere besides law school, if it's not that, are you, are you talking about, you know, you were oppressed in the past and you're, you know, you're, you're a victim now and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. I am not personally, and I don't believe we are in my school and in, in um, you know, other classes. And um, thank goodness, because I'm not teaching that. Yeah, the victim I, mindset I is like impossible that. to get over. I won't teach that. That's just going to, you know, I can see that some of my scholars uh, have grown up in that environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's unfortunate. And I always try to break that mindset just by, you know, teaching that everyone has the opportunity to be successful. It's just a choice. You know, you have to choose success. You have to work really hard at it. You can never give up. Even when you fail, you got to keep going. You got to keep going and you could do anything you want to do. Now that doesn't mean, you know, I have kids that say, oh, I want to be in the NBA. The chances of being in the NBA are slim, but you can aspire to that and work really hard at it. And, and you know, you could become something else. Some of my kids have the mindset that no matter what they do, uh, they'll never get ahead because of, you know, where they grew up and who they are. And that uh, that's really upsetting to me. Right. And that's such a hard mindset to break, whether it's a child yeah. or an adult, I think, because I teach adults differently than you do. Yeah. But I've I been teaching adults for 14 years. And like if if you run into somebody that has that victim mindset, like everyone's against me and like like you just there's no possible way for the, it doesn't matter what you're teaching them. Fitness, business mm-hmm. doesn't make a difference. They always mm-hmm. think that the world is against them and then they're never going to get ahead. Um, I do yeah. think, though, when it comes to like the NBA is a great example, right? Because I mm-hmm. actually believe the opposite. I believe that if a kid actually really wants to be in the NBA, his parents, his teachers, his guidance counselors, his mentors should push that kid to be in the NBA as much as possible. But they have to understand, Absolutely. though, that even though it might be a little unrealistic, you are going to fail over and over and over again. If you keep yes. getting back up, your chances of doing it are increasing every time you get up. And the harder you work, it, right? Right. So, and I, yep. I, I just think when you look at CRT as a whole, whether it's being taught in a class at Harvard or whether it's being mixed in overall throughout an entire curriculum in a school, you're just teaching the victim and victor mindset or oppressed and oppressor mindset, and that is just so hard to break as as an adult that when they get jobs mm-hmm. and when they go to college or whatever, they're it's over. They're never going to be able to Absolutely. make Absolutely. That's why I love the curriculum that we have now that is not uh, critical race theory. It's just um, when we read novels with the scholars, uh, you know, they're, they're reading about a hero's journey. They're reading about somebody who started out in not a great situation and feeling like a loser and feeling like they couldn't rise up and do anything and going o- over the road of trials and failing and failing and failing, but never giving up, getting some allies and helpers along the way, finding a mentor along the way. And all of the books that we read with them show that in different cultures. So I love our curriculum right now because it's showing them that no matter who you are, as long as you work hard and you align yourself with the right people and you make good choices, even when you make bad choices, learn from them and keep moving forward, they can overcome anything. They can do anything they want. Um, but I agree with you that when they're, they've been growing up in, a, in an environment that teaches them that everyone's against them, uh, it's very hard to break. It's very, very, very hard to break. I love the hero's journey. <laughs> That's like the, Me I think too. It's a, because it's 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 basically how life works, right? So it's I have yep. this goal. 
I shoot towards yep. it and then whoop, I hit a roadblock and then I shoot towards it again and I hit another roadblock and then finally I overcome it. That's a very shortened version yep. of it, but that's basically yeah. how it works. That's the arc. And for those of you who don't know, that's basically how every movie works as well. If you watch any movie in the Absolutely. world, it's basically the hero's journey taught over, uh, uh, shown over and over and over again. All right, so diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is something that I, I'm pretty sure you do teach, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so we received training on um, DEI at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about this because when we were getting the training, um, basically I was trying to say, and I was being shot down over and over again, that we already, this is, if you're, if you're a teacher that teaches from the heart <clears throat> and does what you're doing because you love children, you've always been teaching, you're not teaching the curriculum through diversity, equity, and inclusion, but that's always a part of what you do because you're, I'm always, I've always been teaching children that, you know, everybody, all right, we might look different, but we're all human beings and we all can do the same things as long as we work towards it. Somebody might be better at something than you, but that doesn't mean you can't try to do it. Um, equal instruction is just, uh, you know, I'm always differentiating what I do based on students' needs. You know, um, they, they might receive the same test, but it might be graded differently based on what they're capable of. Um, you know, and also with equity comes in in uh, IEPs, which are individualized education plans, um, ENL, which is English as a new language. As a good teacher, you are always uh, differentiating your instruction based on your students' needs and helping them to be successful, giving them what they need to be successful. And inclusion, that's the basis of special education. If you're a certified special education teacher, which I am, um, everyone's included in everything. I mean, they can choose that they don't want to be included. In, like, for instance, everybody can be included in the softball team, right? That's inclusion. But if they don't want to be a part of it, they don't have to be, you know? So I feel like we're already doing that. We're just not making it focused on a certain race or a certain culture. Right. It's just who we are as a teacher, a good teacher. Yeah, so I think I, I agree that you have to put your resources where the resources are needed. Right. If a kid is struggling or whatever, you have to obviously help that kid more or whatever it is. I probably should have started off with this, to be fair, because you're the one answering the questions. But I am 1000 percent against it any way, mm -hmm. shape or form. And I'll tell you why. And then you can respond however you want. OK, I am not a diversity fan. I'm 100 percent mm -hmm. against it. And the reason why I'm 100 percent against it is because every time somebody talks about diversity, it's always forced. Mm -hmm. It's always mm -hmm. forced. We have to hire more Asians because we don't have enough. Or we have to hire more women because we don't have enough. Or we have to hire more men, which never happens. But we have to hire more men because we don't have enough. It's always forced. I believe yeah. we should be searching for the best, not, yes. not what somebody looks for. And when people talk about diversity, that's basically they're talking about we have to find other people. Based on what they, what they look like, we have to find other people to mix up our crowd a little bit. When it comes to mm -hmm. equity, look, 100 million people died from equity. <laughs> Mao, Stalin, they all tried equity, it didn't work. And inclusion, that's just not how life works. So it might be mm -hmm. fine when you're eight, nine, 10 years old to everyone to be included in the softball team, but you know, I know softball pretty well and everyone's not included when they're 14, 15, and 16 when they play at a higher level. And at, at exactly. work, not everyone's included. Look, if you wanna be a police officer, I went through this when I was younger, but if you wanna be a police officer and you can't see, you have a 2200 mm -hmm. vision, inclusion is out the window. I can't be included. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the problem, I think, is that we're in that DEI environment. I think that 
kids could, by some teachers, could be taught things that just don't correlate with the real world when they get out of school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree with everything you said. I mean, so from a, a teacher's standpoint, um, in the classroom, diversity, I agree completely with what you said about um, diversity as far as I have to hire someone because of their race or their gender. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, being a teacher, a lot of schools offer uh, uh, tenure. You know, after three years probation, you get tenure. Right. And the, the mindset of that is when you get tenure, you're untouchable. You could do anything and you'll never get fired. Um, personally, I think uh, I don't think tenure should be offered. Um, I think that in any environment, and this is what I teach my students and my own children, in any environment, you show up, you show up on time, and on time is 15 minutes early. You look your best, you do your best, you work your butt off, and you'll reap the rewards. You know, it's not about you're showing up, you got chosen because you're you're a woman and there was 50 men. It doesn't matter how many men there are. It matters that you're doing the best and you won't get fired because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So as far as the workplace, I agree with you. In education, teaching diversity for me personally is just teaching the kids that there are many different people in the world and everybody is a human being and nobody should be treated differently because they're different than you. The reason that's important to me as a teacher is that uh, where I teach, um, it's, it's primarily uh, two different races and these scholars are not exposed to a lot of different races. So that's what I think about diversity, just teaching them that there's many different people and things in the world and um, they need to be exposed to that. Right. For equity, right. for equity, um, I agree. Uh, however, again, equity and inclusion are, you know, are different for me as a teacher because um, I have to, my job is to make sure that all of these kids are successful so that they can go out into the world and then live a world that really, in my opinion, just like you, diversity, equity, inclusion should not matter. So when I'm teaching them, I'm doing it in a way that can let them be successful in a world where it doesn't matter the color of your skin, it doesn't matter your race, your religion, none of that matters. You can be successful no matter what. You see what I mean? I do, I do. The problem though, I think, and if I'm wrong, tell me, because again, you're in the environment, I'm not. I'm looking at it from the outside. Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's many teachers like you. And I'm not just saying that because you're on this show. I'm just saying that because no. I just don't think academia is like that. I think most of them are teaching it from an equity standpoint, like a Maoist standpoint, yep. where everyone gets the same result. I agree. I agree. I completely agree. And that's frustrating. That's why what I, what I started out with was when we were getting this training, I was being shut down because I was saying, we don't need to make this a thing. Because if you're a good teacher, you're already doing it, all of it. Right. Because you're trying to show kids that they have a chance to be whatever they want to be, regardless of all of this diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, but there are many that are, you know, grabbing onto this and going with it and making it a thing about, you know, if you're a certain color or a certain race or a certain religion, you know, that's going to uh, be your ticket in. And that's, to me, that's ridiculous. That None of that should matter. All right. So... Moving on to my final two points, um, social emotional learning. You said you were a special ed teacher, and I'm sure social emotional learning comes in a lot with that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just tell me a little bit about that and what your thoughts are on, on that. 
Mm -hmm. Social emotional learning, I feel, especially in today's world is so, so important. Um, you know, I think back to when I was a kid and, you know, in, in the sixties and the seventies, um, family was key, you know, family, you had a tight family, your family was everything. You had dinner at the dinner table every night. Um, you were home by five o'clock when the lights went off in the street and you were sitting home with your family watching TV on Sunday, you went to church. Like it was just family and, and family routines were so important back then. Um, in today's world, uh, a lot of things have impacted that. In my opinion, one of the things that has impacted that the most is technology. You know, um, kids are just, kids are born with a computer in their hands. Uh, no, not many, I know a lot of still do, but not many are sitting down at the dinner table at five. Both parents are working around the clock. Those family values are really uh, not prevalent in, in, I would say, probably a majority of the families that we have today, or at least the families that I deal with, um, you know, so social emotional learning, what it does is um, it focuses on, you know, feeling good about yourself and knowing that you're a good person and knowing that kindness matters and treating others with respect, treating yourself with respect, all of this matters. And this mindset uh, will help you be successful as well in whatever you want to do. So I think it's really, really important. And again, that's something that I've always taught. Nobody had to tell me about it. When you're, uh, when you're teaching for the right reasons, it's innate. You recognize when, when students need this. But now, it used to be one or two students would need your help in that area. Now, it's the majority of the students need, need this, in my opinion. The only problem with social-emotional learning is... Um, you have to have somebody that's qualified teaching this or it can be a disaster. Um, you know, someone that is not um, a guidance counselor or a psychologist, you know, that, get, that starts teaching this and, and psychology was my second major. So I have a degree in psychology as well. Um, somebody that doesn't know really how to present it or how to respond to questions. You have to anticipate the questions that you're going to get. You have to be prepared to identify a student that might need a, a meeting on the side. So if you just have teachers sprinkling this in across their curriculum, it's not going to be that effective. You know, I think it has to be a school psychologist coming in. And we used to do this at another school that I worked at, but they didn't call it SEL. It was just mindfulness training. You know, they would come in once a week and they would do a specific lesson with the kids. They would have a product that came out of it. They would go and they would review the product. They would identify kids that maybe needed some additional, more intensive, uh, you know, work. So it was very, very, very effective. Um, and we also had, you know, when kids uh, got a consequence for, for behavior at the end of the day, we had a, um, a suspension room, but we also had a yoga room. And they could either be in the suspension room and they would be sit, sit quietly and do nothing. And just that was their consequence. Or they could go to the yoga room and they could sit quietly. It wasn't instructive yoga, but it was, they had the music on the background and they could sit and just relax quietly. Um, so it's a big, it, it's really big and it has to be done right for it to be effective. That's my opinion. Right. So a couple, I agree with that hundred percent. A couple things. I think that I agree with you that the, the, the family unit has been basically destroyed in America. Mm. Um, and I mm -hmm. think that 
that is the battle. I, I think in a lot of these things, we're fighting the wrong battle. And I think that th this is a yes. great example of that. Like, I think we should be working towards how do we get the family unit back together as opposed to saying, Agreed. let's have the school become part of the family unit. Agreed. And it kind of seems like SEL is, is based on what you said, but that, that's kind of mm -hmm. becoming that, right? So we don't have family dinners anymore. We don't have, everyone's attached to their phone. Everyone's doing all that. So we have to do this in school because of those things. I think we should be fighting the battle to get the family back together as opposed to yeah. just making the school part of it. And I also have a huge problem with some of the guidelines in New York State when it comes to SEL. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm looking at them right now. One thing that they talk about in early education or early elementary, which is kindergarten through third grade, is explain why acts that hurt others are wrong. Mm. I disagree with that. A thousand percent mm -hmm. I disagree with that. Because just because somebody's feelings are hurt doesn't mean that what mm -hmm. you did is wrong. Yes. Like, I I, look, I, I'm going to tell my children all day long, Bruce Jenner is Bruce. I don't care what your right. teacher says. He, excuse my language, but he has a penis. He's Bruce. Right. That's just the right. way it is. And don't talk about the guy being an amazing athlete when he wants to be called Caitlin. That's ridiculous. I've learned. Right. And, and the other thing, too, before I go into what I've learned, I also look at the results. Social emotional learning mm -hmm. started in 1994 by. Um, mm -hmm. I forget the person's name, Goldman or something like that. He wrote a book about it. And look at the results, 94 to 2021. I don't remember when I was in school, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids having fun on a weekend burning down a city. Right. But all of a sudden, right, CRT, Ken. DEI, SEL start creeping into schools. Family units start breaking down. And it's socially acceptable now to burn down cities. Mm -hmm. And according mm -hmm. to the guidelines, we can't say anything about that because identify social norms and safety considerations that guide behavior. Well, if that's acceptable, right. then I can't speak out against it. And if I do, I exactly. may lose my job or I may lose my whatever. Mm -hmm. So again, I think that I, I agree with you that it should be, I, I agree with you that things like state management, and you didn't say this, so I'm not really agreeing with you, but things like state management, learning how to control your state is one of the most important things somebody mm -hmm. can learn. Not overreacting Absolutely. to something, not freaking out about something, learning how to control your anger, learning how to, whether you feel like doing something or not, learning how to get yourself in a state of mind to do it anyway and do it at a high level. I think all those things are important. I do think, like yes. you said, though, it takes a very specialized person to teach that. Absolutely. I agree. And that doesn't mean it's somebody that is certified as a psychologist or somebody that's certified as a guidance counselor. Because just because you're certified at something doesn't mean that you're the best person to teach it. We all know that you can go to college to be something and you can get the degree. That doesn't mean you're good at what you do or you're, or, you know, or you can present it in a way. I'm talking about somebody who really knows, who's really studied, you know, what needs to be done or who knows innately how to deal with a, a, a kid that's going through something specific. I see it all the time. People think they're doing the right thing and they're going about things, in my opinion, not in the right way at all. Right. You know, something that you said really, really struck me is that um, when I was talking about, you know, the family unit and, and sitting at the table for dinner and, you know, I always just today what I think is happening overall, putting all these in one lump, right? All these um, ideas that we talked about today is that um, we just have gone soft with our kids. We've gone soft. You know, kids are babied. Kids are, you know, they're they're learning that. They don't have to respect their elders. They don't, you know, they'll ask me, why can't we call you by your first name? And I say, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a respect thing. You know, right. we learn to, when we meet somebody, we, we call them by their last name. And, 
just things like coming to school without pencils and paper and asking the parents 9,000 times to send them with pencils and paper and then getting so frustrated that we become the enablers and now I buy thousands of pencils and I just keep giving them pencils. So we have, we've gone soft, you know. I tell the kids today, when I went into class, my teacher started, he didn't say, good morning, how are you? Let's check in. Are you okay today? If you're not, let me bring you to the guy. He started writing on the board. He didn't even say good morning to me, honestly. He started writing on the board and I had to get my notebook out to write it down or I was gonna fail a test. That was it. My teachers were not teaching me social values and, you know, I mean, if you took a class like civics, fine. But like when I was young, it was really just do your work or you fail. Yeah, it was like you taught, you learned math in math class. There was no feelings in math class. It was just numbers. No, exactly. And even, even I think about reading, right? Now that we're doing the hero's journey, I think it's a great thing because that's teaching them a life lesson. Yeah. You know what I mean? I love that. But it's like you would read and you would talk about like, what's the symbolism of the red hat? What's this? What's that? (laughs) But that was all academic. Mm -hmm. That was just about academia. It wasn't about, you know, basically living life. Now we're soft. If they don't have their homework, their parents are texting saying, can they make it up? So we've created a homework policy. One day is 10 points, two days, 20 points, three days, it's a zero forever. We don't hold true to that. Right. We, ba- we are babying these kids to grow up and learn the wrong way to live life, to be successful. Because I tell them all the time, my example is, I went on an interview and there was a hundred teachers there, all teachers there. Some were dressed in suits with the Manolo shoes and the black leather briefcase. Some were dressed sloppy. I had on just a regular dress. I had my little portfolio. Um, and I walked up to sign in and the girl in front of me was dressed like she was out of a movie, out of Hollywood. She was gorgeous. And um, they said, okay, you just have to sign in here. And she said, oh, do you, do you have a pen? And I thought to myself, fired. Okay, she's not getting the job. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. And I walked up and said, hi, how are you? I'm here. I signed in, whatever. I got the job. And, you know, I, I know I got the job, not because of how I was dressed, not because just because I was the whole package. You know what I'm saying? Like I was ready, I was dressed, I had everything I needed. I presented myself properly. I worry that kids today are not learning those things. They're just getting the wrong message. And it's a hard battle to fight because I'm only one teacher. Right, and I, yeah, and it's interesting because you didn't get the job because of the pen. Right. But when all of, look, the way that I, I, again, I teach adults, right? So it's a little bit different, but I always tell them like, you're not going to, I teach mainly business stuff. You're not going to get the client because of the cold call. You're going to get the client right. because of the cold call, the email, the text message, the video, yep. the follow-up for six months, the presentation again. So it's yep. not the pen. It's the pen. It's showing up early. It's dressing right. It's presenting yourself right. Having the right resume formatted the right way. It's the, all yep. those things stacked on top of each other. Result right. stacking is what we call it in the business world that get the result that you're after at the end of the day. And right, the whole package. But, it, but you know, leading back to the SEL stuff, and also, I guess you can include a little bit of diversity, equity, inclusion in this. I, when, when, you, when you start talking about feelings and emotions, when it comes to those things, yeah. I think <sighs> that leads to a really terrible ending. Because, yes, yeah. state management, 100,000%. 
but like your mm-hmm. boss doesn't care about your feelings. Mm-hmm. They care about the bottom line, you know. And right. and I and I do agree with you that we've gone very very soft on our kids. And I'll right. you know. And I'm not saying you gotta like you. scream and yell at your kids and like you know, make them sleep no. in the cold or anything. But you know, again, you look at the result. Absolutely. In 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 the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I'm not saying we gotta go back that far, but in those times, kids did not act the way they do now. And now they're burning down Absolutely cities not. for fun. Yep. So, yep. all right. The last thing I want to ask you is, um, just how, when it comes to the pandemic as a whole, and mm. and from a teacher's perspective, because I think we hear a lot about the students, but we don't hear a lot about the teachers. How has that affected the way that you teach and the way that you educate the kids that you educate? Mm. Wow, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> So it has impacted the way I teach and, and, and what I do greatly because, <clears throat> you know, what I come to realize this year, you know, I have a curriculum and I have a curriculum plan and it's for the whole year. So I could look at June 10th and tell you what I'm supposed to be teaching, you know. Um, however, you know, these kids, I have sixth graders, right? So the last time they were in school for a full year was when they were in third grade. Think about that. They were in third grade. In third grade, you're still learning to read and write. By sixth grade is the transition year. I call it the bridge because in sixth grade, you are reading to learn and you are writing to learn. It switches. You're not learning how to do those things anymore. You're using those things to learn. So sixth grade, in my opinion, is one of the hardest years because it's a bridge to the future. Um, so these kids, in fourth grade, they were in school till March, so they had half a year. Can I just interrupt you for one grade, second, really quick? W- yes. Would you would you consider sixth, ninth, and then twelfth to be those bridge years? Yes. Okay. I was, I just wanted to make sure we were on the same. Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so. They were, uh, they had a half year in fourth grade. They had a full year in third grade, half year in fourth grade, and then virtual or hybrid in fifth grade. So ideally they lost almost two full years of school, at least a year and a half, right? Of being in school learning. Um, So that I think changed how I do things because now when they came in this year, I was noticing a huge deficit in uh, their ability. And I had to basically slow everything down which I know you asked about me as a teacher, right? <clears throat> it's so stressful because I have a plan and I always, you know, I always, I'm very flexible with my plan, but my bosses are not very flexible with the plan because they're not in my classroom. So I had to go to them and say, listen, <clears throat> you know, we have this curriculum, we have this plan, we have a goal to meet. We have to change it because if we just push through with this plan, these kids are not going to be successful for probably for the rest of their lives. We have to stop this and we have to create a new plan. So it made my job so stressful because I'm already knowing what I'm going to do for the year. We're still doing the same curriculum, but I had to change some of the, you know, spread out the curriculum, add more things into the curriculum to build in the foundation again. Um, And then on top of it, the behaviors are out of control. Um, and a lot of that has to do with technology, but how I teach is very, very different than I've ever taught before. And to be honest with you, I feel terrible for teachers that are just coming into teaching right now, because if I was just coming into this, um, career, I would 
do something else. That's how I feel. And that's how I know a lot of teachers feel. The stress, the amount of work that we're doing outside of work. I work all the time. I, I never stop. And I, I used to work a lot, but literally I, there's no time in school to work anymore because kids are not, <clears throat> the kids don't go to the lunchroom. They eat lunch in my classroom. The kids rarely go outside. So that increases behaviors. That increases me being stressed out because I never get 45 minutes to sit and look at their grades or sit and do my planning. Um, it's it's very stressful. The pandemic has really impacted me greatly. What do you think about, this is something I haven't really talked about um, too much, but what do you think about remote learning as a whole and, and having mm -hmm. that option for kids? Obviously, it's not for everybody. I understand that completely. But I, yes, again, I, no. I'm looking so much towards the future, and I think that, I think that yes. our job as a, a public in public school or private school or whatever, I think mm -hmm. that the main job is to prepare kids for what's coming next. And you Absolutely. look at every single major company in the world; they're all doing virtual training. There's no more sales I training have in to person. Tell you, Go ahead. Yeah, um, I think virtual learning is wonderful. I think that <clears throat> you have to have the right scholars set up for it. You have to have scholars that are, um, you know, self-starters or, you know, or are conscientious or value their education. You know, when I, when I did the remote learning, my, the majority of my kids uh, don't have support at home to say education is your job right now. It's the number one, it's the most important thing. You just have to be educated, you know. So kids that are like that without support, some will still be successful, but most in my experience were not. But if you have the right, and again, this goes back to having a family that supports, having a, a good family system in place to support the kid to say, okay, you're gonna make sure you get your, your work done, whether it's live virtual or <clears throat> they just get it online and they, and they get the work. I do think live virtual, um, or live online education is more beneficial than them just getting work in a folder because I think that they also should be learning how to deal with people at the same time, you know? Um, so I think it should be offered. I think it should be offered, but I think it should be offered to a select group of scholars. I don't think it's for everyone. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I was doing research on remote learning, because all three of mine are remote um, mm -hmm. and private school in Virginia, and they have been remote since the pandemic started. Actually, since before the pandemic started, because we lived in Northport, and Northport shut down their schools, and we were remote before that. But um, <clears throat> I think that the the home is is where it all starts, 100%. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I, I just look at it like my kids are learning how to research now. They're learning mm -hmm. how to – because I think that's one of the most important things. Obviously – Passing a test off of memory is important. You have to learn how to fill your mind up and and kind and comprehend and hold in the information that you learn. I understand all that, but mm -hmm. I'm thinking when they're 30, right? When they're 30, they're not going to yeah. be talking about you know Bob had five red balloons and Joanne had 12 gray balloons. How many donkeys were there? Exactly. In the like they're not. They're gonna like who started World War II? They're gonna have to look it up really quickly, and they're gonna have to learn how to do that. And they're learning how to do that yep. with with remote. And I also found out, which was kind of interesting, when I was doing research on this. I believe it was 37 states, 37 states in the United States, New York not being one of them, has a public school online version where anybody can just yeah. opt in to go to public school on the internet. 
Wow. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Pennsylvania is one of them. And that's that's kind of interesting. I do think that it, again, it has to be a parental choice. I, I'm all, that's, at the end of the day, that's what my whole thing is, right? I think the parent mm-hmm. should have the choice to do what they want to do. If they think their kid should be remote, their kid should be remote. If their kid, they don't, if they don't want to get a vaccine, they shouldn't get a vaccine. If they don't want to learn critical race theory, they shouldn't have to learn. I think the the parents should have a choice. With that said, though, I don't think the parents should be, you know, making the entire curriculum. There's experts for that. Right. And the experts should right. be in charge of that. And this leads me to my last point about what you said about your you not being really heard and all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's a leadership issue. I know. That's not a teacher issue. That's not a school issue. That's a leadership (laughs) issue. I'm running for the school board at Smithtown in in May of 2022 is the election. I'm coming out Mm -hmm. to teachers like you and parents and community members, taxpayers, administrators, whatever, because I'm I'm okay to say, look, SEL, I don't know everything about it. So let's bring on an expert Mm -hmm. that does it, a special education teacher. Let's bring on an expert that does it every day. And let's come at it with an open mind and see where we land on it. And the same thing is true right. with teachers' unions and administrators and, and whoever. I'm not trying to be all egotistical or whatever, but that's what real leaders do. Mm-hmm. Yes. They bring on people who know more than them. They shut up and yes. they listen. And they take notes and they take mm-hmm. advice. And they, you know, they may not agree on everything, but they listen to what the other what the people are saying that are dealing with it every day. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, <clears throat> and I think that um, there are I think education as a whole is just, it, it needs to be, re- I mean, that's a bigger, that's a bigger topic, but it's just, uh, we can't keep going this way because we are creating just really, I keep using the word soft, but these kids are getting the wrong message. You know, they're, they're like you said, they're passing a test, but can they write a research paper? You know, um, we just did a, a unit where we were teaching them how to write a, a four paragraph essay. That was when I had to put the brakes on because um, it, the curriculum that we use, um, you 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 teach it in segments. It's scaffolding. You know, you start out with what's a paragraph, and you go all through it for two weeks, and then after two weeks, they're assessed, and all they're doing at the end is they're not memorizing stuff. They're using what they have to write an essay, and I would say about ninety percent of my kids failed. They could not write an essay, so that's when I said this not working. Um, you know, I know I went off topic. I don't know. I agree with you. The leadership needs to listen to the teachers. I was lucky in that instance that my immediate supervisor listened to me and fought for me, but their education is just in trouble. And we need solid leaders that are going to listen to teachers that are in the trenches. This is the problem. People, you know, that are running things don't want to listen to the teachers and the teachers are there every day. They know what's best for the kids. They know, you know, and that doesn't mean they have to agree with us and do everything we say, but they should really take into consideration what we're talking about because we're with the kids. We're with the future, you know, and so many times you'll bring something up. It'll be like, oh, okay, we'll think about that. And then nothing ever changes. And that's just so frustrating. So I have one more very quick question for you. Um, just based mm-hmm. off of what you just said, you, do you agree that um, – I agree 100% that the teachers the – leaders should be listening to the teachers. But I, I also believe that the teachers – the leaders should be listening to the parents and the community members as well. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. See, I'll tell you what. One of the th- – and again, this is not being egotistical like you said, but – 
one of the things that I invest at is creating relationships with the family. I mean, I have people from, from five years ago that will call me and, and wish me a happy Thanksgiving. You know, I have kids that are in college now that the, the family still contact me. You know, it, yes, they, we need to have, for instance, we used to have back in the day where you had your parent-teacher organization and it was a community member, it was parents, it was teachers, it was board members. My school right now has a, has a PTO that has like five people in it. You know, it's like, again, it's the, it's the core value, the things that we used to do that made schools work are not in place anymore. We need those back in place. They need to listen to the community. They need to listen to the parents, teachers, and teachers should be talking with the family, with the board, with the administrators. There's just a breakdown in communication. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, again, I I know we keep dragging this on, but it's, it's, it goes back to social, emotional learning, diversity, equity, inclusion. There's a breakdown Mm -hmm. in community. Like, I'm not bashing teachers or administrators or board members, but I will say this. Yes. The teachers, board members, and administrators, the, the superintendents, they can't even communicate. So I am a firm right. believer that if you can't get the result yourself, don't teach it to anybody else. So you're teaching exactly. SEL and communication and emotions, everything else, to, to five, six, seven, 10-year-old kids, 12-year-old kids, but you can't communicate between each other. Why don't you solve exactly. that problem first, then worry about teaching it exactly. to other people? So that's just my opinion. We agree on some things, we disagree on others, and that's fine. We can still be friends, and we can still be civil about it, which is great. It was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for coming on, and good luck with your teaching. Thank you, Ken. It was nice to meet you. All right, take care. Take care.